0: Oh, well, hey there, gorgeous. This is Kim Constable. Welcome to the Kim Constable podcast. Nobody cares, work harder. And oh, let me tell you do we have the hardest working woman in the room hosting the podcast tonight? No, not me. Or today, it's maybe today for you. It's tonight for me. Uh, No, it's not me. It's not me, the hardest working woman in the room. It is the fabulous, the one and only Vanessa Burgess. For those of you who know Vanessa Burgess, in fact, anyone who's bought a program from me will know Vanessa Burgess. She is one of the top coaches in the Sculpted Vegan. In fact, I would say she's head coach. Um, We've never actually given her that official title. Her official title in the company is actually marketing manager, believe it or not. But she also moonlights as a coach um, in the group. And oh my god, she is. fabulous. Vanessa joined the company um, many, many moons ago whenever the first four week shred was launched. and I think that was in 2018. Yes, it was in 2018. And for those of you who bitch and whinge about how hard my shreds are now, you you, honestly see people who did the first four week shred, the OG, the old girl four week shred. (laughs) They always laugh at the ones who complain at the shreds now. And they're like, sweetheart, you do not know you're living because in the first ever four week shred, which was launched in 2018, you had a list of 13 foods to choose from yep not even joking 13 foods and there was no meal plan there was no shopping list there was nothing you literally had to make up your meals from the 13 foods and one of the biggest questions in the group that we used to get was is such and such allowed is such are tomatoes allowed what about bananas is it allowed is it allowed this is all we got in the groups and so it became like a running joke amongst amongst the coaches which was or amongst the whole group actually was, is it on the is it on the food list? It's not on the food list. It's not allowed. So Vanessa started with the first four week shred and she decided to embark on this four week shred whenever she had three babies under the age of two yes uh, Vanessa's a little bit crazy she has what was called Irish twins uh, she had twins and then I think like nine months later she had another baby so Vanessa literally had uh, well, has practically triplets because of their ages but yet she still managed with practically triplets at home breastfeeding them all as well oh yes you thought that your life was hard well Vanessa was breastfeeding all of these babies and or nursing I think it's called in America and she also managed to do the 4 weeks week shred, double cardio sessions every day, massively restricted food list. And she entered the competition, and she did so freaking well. And she just loved the bodybuilding program so much that she went on to sculpt the most incredible body. Um, and she still, you know, manages to parent her children and run her life and be a coach in the program. And she's actually the marketing manager of my company, and she works under director of marketing Vanessa Vega. And she's just all around fucking fabulous. But let me tell you why she's hosting the podcast today. Because I messaged her earlier, I was like, uh, VB, so we call her VB, uh, Vanessa. Vega, whose director of marketing, is VB, and Vanessa Burgess is VB. So I was like, VB, uh, I'm, I hate to tell you, you're recording the podcast today. She was like, uh, hello, I am. I was like, yep, you're recording the podcast. And she was like, um, okay, shit, crapping myself. And I was like, no, you'll be fine because whenever you hear Vanessa speak, you're going to be blown away. Her charm, her charisma, her wit. She is literally one of the funniest people I know. Whenever I see her name popping up in our WhatsApp groups that we have in the team, she, honestly, I just love her responses. She is warm. She's loving. She's empathetic. She's witty. She, uh, she used to be in the army, so she can be a bit of like a drill surgeon. She loves guns which, you know, caused a little bit of an issue given that we're a vegan company. She doesn't actually like to, well, she does like to shoot guns, actually, but she's just like, she has an affinity with guns, you know, but I don't judge her for it. And actually, she likes quite badass carrying a gun. Um, and I know they're very commonplace in America. So we just love her and all of her gun-loving, butt-twerking craziness because if you know Vanessa in the group, you will know that she loves to twerk. But apart from that, she is Just insanely knowledgeable. She has spent the last four years since 2018 studying every single aspect of bodybuilding. She studied under me. She studied under Laura. She's done her own study. She's done every single shred and build that we have in the company. She's been coaching the groups for years now. And honestly, her knowledge is just on another level, but also her presentation and her delivery and how she can, you know, command attention in a room and how she can hold her own in a podcast. I just knew that I had to have her on here and just absolutely that you would love her. And I would love for you to leave me a comment um, on the, wherever you listen to the podcast, leave me a review and tell me how much you loved Vanessa. And if you got the email about this podcast, please respond to the email and tell us how, you loved, how much you loved Vanessa because every single person who responds to the email goes into a weekly draw to win a Sculpted Vegan program. And I do think that Susie, my assistant, sent me through the winner this week. So let me just go check. Okay, I'm back but you didn't know I was back because I just paused it. So the podcast winner for the weekly response to the email is Lorraine Butterworth. Lorraine Butterworth has chosen Buns and Guns. I saw her post about it. She's absolutely delighted. In fact, congratulations Lorraine because you posted it on your Instagram, you posted it on Facebook, you posted it in the groups. You celebrated the fact that you won that program and we were delighted to give it to you. So if you want to win a Sculpted Vegan program, all you have to do is respond to the email that we send out with the podcast. We choose one every single week. I just just forgot to announce it. So I'm sorry if only just started doing that. And we also choose a monthly winner from the reviews left on the podcast. In fact, we should probably start doing a weekly one from the reviews left on the podcast, wherever you listen to this podcast, whether that is on iTunes or whether it's on Spotify, I don't think you can leave one on Spotify, actually, maybe on Podbean or yeah, wherever you're on our website, wherever you're listening to it, take a screen grab of the review, send it to me on Instagram at The Sculpted Vegan, and we will choose a monthly winner from that as well. So all of that is left for me to say is I'm going to pass over to the lovely Vanessa I know she's going to be doing um, answering some questions that have come up in this week's um, butt camp group many many questions about uh, building muscle and burning fat and exercise substitution selection I don't even really know what she's going to talk about but I just know that it's going to be fabulous and you're absolutely going to love her and you're not going to hear from me again at the end and so it's goodbye from me for now. And I will chat to you all next week for another episode of the Kim Constable podcast. So for now, I'm going to pass you over to Vanessa. Have a wonderful week and I'll speak to you next week.
1: Hello, hello, coach Vanessa here. I'm so excited to be doing this podcast today. I had an epic idea. Actually, it was Kim's idea, but I'll just pretend like it was my idea to make a post in our but Camp 2.0 group where everybody is competing for the grand prize of $20,000 and I wanted to know what their most burning questions were right now today. They are in week three so some of them are really feeling the burn and they're kind of over it <laughs> and uh, others are in a very special place that I like to call the the happy zone because week 3 tends to be where a lot of people start to really finally see some changes in the mirror and it starts to get really exciting when you start seeing results and so I knew that if I made a post in there, I would get lots of epic questions that I could answer on today's podcast. So I am not going to babble on anymore. I want to get right into the questions because they are so, so, so good. I'm going to pull them up on Facebook and I'm just going to go in order. There's a lot of them. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to get all of them in, but I'm really, really, really going to try. Okay. So the first question is, can you please help us with self-sabotage strategies, how to overcome self-sabotage? And this was the very first question that popped up and I was actually really excited. I get very giddy when people want me to talk about self-sabotage because I used to be, and sometimes it still happens, (laughs) but I used to be the self-sabotage queen, okay? And I think it's why I've ended up gearing all of my coaching um, advice and strategy tips and things like that towards self sabotage because I was the queen of it and I know exactly what it means when I'm in the throes of the self sabotage or before I get there before I used to get there and I would I would get certain triggers first and all of the stuff that would happen that I would just be like oh my gosh why am I doing this and so. I would end up being a miserable <laughs> creature for the rest of the day, the week, the month. And oh my gosh, it reminds me of like when I when I first became a mom. I think that's when I really started to recognize like how I was doing all of this to myself. And you know, they do say when you become a mom, it's like the most beautiful change in a woman's life and it is. It really is. But man, I tell you, <laughs> it is a struggle because you are forced to look deep within yourself and realize all of the crap that you've been doing to yourself. And really, it's a good thing because a lot of people actually don't get to this point in their life where they where they're able to have that introspection and the awakenings. And so I'm so grateful that I've had my babies and that, you know, although it was a very tumultuous time in my life, it led me to a lot of awakenings with myself and it changed me for the better. Um, And so when it comes to the self-sabotage, I realized when I first became a mom, just how much I was doing it all throughout my childhood, all throughout, you know, the college years which I didn't have many of because I was in the army and then I kind of just like piddled around and you know my my college days were I was not young when I finished college I actually finished finished college when um about two months before I gave birth to the twins so I was a bit older but I'm really grateful for being able to have this skill of helping people with their self-sabotage tendencies because you know First of all, the fact that this question was even asked is very admirable because it means the person is very aware that they are sabotaging themselves. And honestly, if you think about it, it's not something that people are aware of. So first, let me just talk about what is self-sabotage. Like like what even is it? It's basically if you want to if you want to put it in the most basic terms, it's when we undermine our own goals that we have for ourselves. And here's the thing with self-sabotage. We don't know that we're doing it. Most of the time when we're in the middle of a specific behavior that is undermining our goals, we don't know that that's what's going on. It's not until you become very self-aware that you realize that you're sabotaging yourself. And so that's all it is. And it can be a myriad of things it can be behaviors it can be thought processes um it could be anything so if you think about the typical person who self-sabotages right like like anybody who self-sabotage it's basically you know what you're doing in your life is making everything worse and it doesn't have to be dramatic it doesn't have to be like this you know this this epic event that's like you know, ruining your whole life, and usually that's not really what it is. If you look at it from, you know, from the outside, it tends to be somewhat small behaviors that are adding up over time. So it's like the person who keeps smoking, even though they have lung cancer or something like that. Now granted, lung cancer is very serious, but the act of continuing to smoke, even though they have lung cancer, or maybe they don't have lung cancer, but they keep smoking and they know it's bad for them, but they continue to do it. Or somebody who drinks and they can't stop drinking and they spend all their money on beer and alcohol and, and, you know, they, maybe they've got kids and they're not even feeding their kids or, you know, and those things are very serious. And like, it can be very minor things, um, you know, or seemingly minor but they're not really minor because they are self-sabotage and that's that's never a minor thing. But you know the person let's say who you know they they do an oh this 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 one's great. Okay. I love this one because I used to be this person. They go to the gym, they have an epic workout and they're like, "Yes, I nailed that. I killed that bastard." Like, "Yes, leg day was amazing." And then they leave the gym and they're like, I'm going to go celebrate with some pizza. Why not? I earned it, right? And you wouldn't, you wouldn't look from the outside at that person or that person's behaviors and be like, oh, they're sabotaging themselves unless you are truly aware of self-sabotage because it doesn't seem like something that a person is doing to destroy themselves or their lives or their goals, right? It doesn't seem like that unless you know what self-sabotage is. That's exactly what self-sabotage is. And a person who does that and they continue to do that is going to ruin their life in one way or another. You know, it's the same thing as like somebody who buys a bunch of exercise equipment for their house and then they never use it. And they continue to give themselves this excuse about how they can never fit in their workouts. Or maybe they bought exercise equipment, but it was kind of, you know, maybe it wasn't like the top top of the line equipment. And it was a little bit cheaper. It was all they could afford. And they're like, Oh, but I don't have like the really good squat machine. So I'm not able to go heavy. And so I just, I don't know, I feel like I'm like wasting my time. That is self-sabotage. Okay. That is self-sabotage. And, you know, or the person who comes home from a job that they hate and they, they veg on the, t- you know, on the couch and watch Netflix all night while eating a bunch of snacks and they don't do anything. They're, they're not doing anything to change the fact that, you know, that whole time that they're spending, you know, watching Netflix, they could be looking for another job instead of, you know, dealing with one that they hate or something like that. You know, it's not always a very, you know, simple thing, of course, but everybody around us self-sabotages and most of them don't even know it. And really, it's just a fear, you know, it's just a fear. Like self-sabotage really comes from fear. It's either, you know, fear of being successful oh this one is I love this one because this is not really very so you know as clear as the other ones so this could be a person who uh, oh my god I just had like an epiphany too because I did this one too in the army it's a person who is afraid of being better or getting a promotion in some way so for me it was you know going up in the ranks And they sabotage that by either, you know, coming into work late or, you know, doing something that, you know, the boss says not to do or breaking some rules here and there or just like, you know, coming to work disheveled or not really being all there or whatever. Like anything that would be frowned upon in a work environment and they would do these things. I did this in the army, actually, and I didn't even realize it until right now. That's why I love these moments, let me tell you. This is real life right here. I'm not editing this out, okay? This is a real life epiphany that I'm having right now. And I'm staring at the wall and I'm like, holy hell, Vanessa. Like, you you really sabotage yourself in the army because, and I'll tell you how I did it. I left the army as a specialist. So that is a ranking of E4. And it's not a bad ranking, of course, but I could have been a sergeant. And I purposely did not want to go to the promotion boards. I was only in my 20s. I actually joined the Army when I was 20 years old. So I was very young. I was not ready for it at all. But I threw myself into it because for me, I knew that it was going to help me in a lot of ways that I just didn't know yet what those ways were. And I did not want to be a sergeant. And you know why I didn't want to be a sergeant? Because a sergeant has more responsibility. A sergeant has to take the blame for what his or her soldiers are doing if it's something bad or something wrong you know a sergeant has a whole other level of of just importance in the ranking system so when you go from a specialist to a sergeant it is a huge jump it's not like the other jumps you know it's not like going from a private to you know it's it's so big of a jump even though it's just one rank there's a lot there's like a big money increase and i wanted that money i wanted the paycheck but i was like man I, I'm not ready for that responsibility. And I refused to go to the promotion board. So I would, it would be my time to come to the promotion board and, you know, my time to like, to stand there and and basically a promotion board you get in front of like a bunch of higher ranking people and you answer questions and you have to be very professional and very like, you know, it it was just something that I wasn't interested in doing. And I'm like, not only do I not want to go through that because it's scary, I don't want the responsibility of being a sergeant. So I'm not going to do it. So I wasted away the last year of my army term. I was in there for four years. I wasted away the last year because I didn't, I was afraid of being successful. I was terrified at what that meant for me. I wanted the money. I wanted the recognition. I wanted the respect, but I didn't command any of that. I didn't command any of that through my behaviors. What I commanded was the exact opposite and I was always in trouble and I was always like defying them. I was like the biggest troublemaker. I hated it. I hated it. And the epiphany that I had just now was like, I, it, you know, I, I sabotaged my own promotion. Like who does that? I'll tell you who does that. A lot of people do that. A lot of people do that. Not to that exact extreme, maybe, but a lot of people are terrified of being successful because it comes with. A lot of responsibility in various forms. So that's just another example of how you know people self-sabotage and they don't even realize. Look, it. I am 38 years old today at the time of this recording, and I did that. I was in the army at age 20. It took me almost two decades to realize, and I just did it live on air to realize that I sabotage a significant part of my army career because I was afraid of success. So listen. It's not abnormal. People do it all the time. When you become aware of your sabotage tendencies, a whole new world opens up to you, okay? And it is a world that I want for everybody who's listening to this right now. Don't be afraid or scared of the fact that you may be doing these self-sabotage tendencies and not even realizing it. I want you to just listen to this with an open mind and be ready to accept the fact that where you are right now in some way, shape, or form, is not where you want to be, okay? It doesn't mean that it has to be fitness in the fitness realm. It could be with your career. It could be with your marriage. It could be, you know, if you're a mom, like you're, the way you the way you're showing up as a mom, which I have a whole bunch of stories on that too. <laughs> but when somebody asks me, you know, can you help me stop my self-sabotage tendencies, one of the first things that I say and I ask them is, do you really want to stop? Like, do you really want to stop? Or are you comfortable being where you're at? Because that means you don't have the responsibilities that come with stepping outside of where you're comfortable. Okay, so let me let me say that again. Do you really want to stop? Or are you happy with where you are? Are you happy in your comfort zone? Because when we're in our comfort zone, we are used to things. If things are kind of predictable. They're easier. They're simple. They are, you know, we know what to expect. And when we step outside our comfort zone, it is like being blindsided and getting hit by a train. It is not comfortable. And in fact, it can be very painful. And it may seem like an easy answer if I ask you, do you really want to stop self-sabotaging? But it's not. I guarantee you somebody is listening to this right now and they're going, oh my god i don't i don't know if i want to stop because if i stop that means i have to take responsibility and accept responsibility for being better in this area and i don't know if i'm ready for that like i don't know if i'm ready for that and that's okay listen if that's you right now and you're like i don't know if i'm ready to stop to stop this self-sabotage because that comes with a whole host of other things that i am not prepared for You're being honest with yourself. And that is the number one thing. I don't care what question you ask. I don't care what you need in life. You're not going to get anything accomplished if you're not first honest with yourself. So at the very first, most basic level, you've got to be honest with yourself. Okay. So if that is you, it's okay. All right. It's okay. Maybe now is not the time for you to work on that area for whatever reason. We can even go into a whole nother podcast on that. (laughs) If you are like, yes, Vanessa, I am ready. Like, I'm so sick of this behavior. You know, if you're going into the pantry at midnight and you're eating a whole bag of chips and you are like, oh, and you're in the middle of a shred. Oh my God. Or something like that. And you're like, I am so sick of this. I do this every time I shred. I'm so tired of it. Please help me. I'm going to help you right now. Okay. But for those of you who are not yet ready, it's okay. It's okay. But I want you, I want to challenge you to maybe think about forcing yourself to step out of your comfort zone, mm, even if you're not ready. (laughs) Even if you're not ready. Even if you're scared. I was scared to do this podcast. (laughs) This is hugely outside of my comfort zone. Okay. Very, very hugely outside of my comfort zone. I was terrified when Kim asked me to do this and I did it anyway. And it doesn't make me amazing. It doesn't make me perfect. It doesn't make me a role model you know, in in any sense of the word, but it makes me somebody who recognizes a fear that I have of stepping outside of my comfort zone and then doing it anyway, doing it scared, being afraid and doing it. And then just accepting whatever happens when I do the thing scared because there's nothing wrong with doing something when you're absolutely terrified. (laughs) I am living proof. (laughs) Okay. And so if you feel like you don't want to stop and you're not ready for that, I challenge you to to just step outside your comfort zone anyway. You may think you're not ready, and that's okay, but how will you really know if you don't just step outside that circle and give it a shot, right? So I'm going to give you a few tips that you guys can implement right away, right now, and that's going to get you going on the path. Now, there are a lot of ways to stop self-sabotage, okay? So this is not, you know, a list that's like, ah, I can't do these things, like it's only these three things, oh God, I'm a failure, like I'm never going to stop, this is, you know, there are so many ways that you could do it, but I'm going to give you three simple ones that you can implement right away, because that is the most important thing to me, is to be able to give you something that you could take away as soon as this is over, and immediately apply it to your life. And so the first thing I want to ask you to, to think about first think about the area where you where you feel you may be like sabotaging. So those of you that are doing the butt camp shred, there are probably many areas right now. You're only in week three, okay? You haven't really had a lot of time for yourself to develop the habits that are necessary to make this like a bit of an easier process, okay? So I want you to maybe, um, you know, think of like, The triggers. So think of the thing that you want to fix, right? Like let's say it's just binge eating, you know, like let's say um, maybe not even binge eating, but just eating something that's going to be outside of your macros. You know, you're tracking your macros, you're doing your thing, and you're eating like a bunch of Sour Patch Kids, okay, at night before you go to bed. I want you to work on identifying a trigger or triggers, okay? So these are the things that happen in the moments leading up to The unwanted behavior. Now, I don't want you to think of this as a bad behavior. There's no bad or good behaviors. There are only behaviors that are wanted or unwanted based on your goals. That's it. So please understand, you're not a bad person. There's nothing wrong with you. You have triggers. And the triggers are causing you to behave in a way that's pulling you away from your goals. It's as simple as that. So you're not a bad person. So I want you to think of the triggers. And these are the things that happen right before, like I said, right before you end up putting that behavior into play, okay? So I'm going to give you an example of this because this is what happened to me in my first few shreds. And it, it took me a while to realize this. I actually laugh all the time because I still notice that this trigger comes up a lot. And here's the thing, before I get into this, your triggers are not meant for you to suppress or to totally annihilate. You may have triggers that you will never, ever, ever get rid of, okay? Okay. That's just the nature of the game. So don't focus on trying to eliminate your triggers. Just focus on trying to identify your triggers first. Okay? We're not eliminating them. We're just identifying them. Okay? So, for example, one of my very common triggers when I was doing my first couple shreds was when I would put my kids down for bed, I would immediately crave... Sour Patch Kids. Those of you who know me probably knew this was coming. I am obsessed with Sour Patch Kids. They are so unhealthy. They are just nothing but like a blob of sugar. Um, And so they are a treat for me. You know, they are not something that I eat every single day. Although by the way that I talk about them, you might think I eat them every single day, but I don't, I swear. Um, (laughs) So a trigger for me was I would put the kids down and it was like, you know, moms, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You put the kids down for bed and you're like, it's like angels are singing. It's like, oh, that was like really bad angel singing. But you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like this whole, like, oh my God, finally, like time to myself. And you can just plop down and just like, you know, just take a moment. And that was the very that was a very big trigger for me because in that moment where I realized I no longer have to be this thing for everybody else, I can just be with myself for a moment, I would immediately start craving the Sour Patch Kids. It was absolutely insane. Of course, it took me a while to realize that this was a trigger, but it was the, the fact that I was alone for a moment. You know not not meaning that like my husband he may be around or whatever but it's not it's not like like that but it's like I was alone within myself and I didn't have responsibilities for a few minutes and it was like oh this feels so good I'm going to relax and I would be like I earned these sour patch kids I earned them I've been a mom all day. I've been shredding all day. I've been doing cardio all day. I cannot take another second. Now it's my time. Yeah. Like I would like be like, yeah, you know, like, like I just, I'm the greatest person on earth and I deserve to have this candy because I just worked so hard. I mean, seriously, this is what, how I felt. And it was always when I put the kids down. And so I, it took me a while to identify that trigger. And so now what I do, because I've identified the trigger that, that leads me to the moments before I start that craving, I can now control the behavior. It's not easy, okay, I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do, but the awareness has to come first. So you identifying it comes first. Now, because I know as soon as I put the kids down, I'm gonna feel that, not every day, but a lot of days. Now I distract myself, as soon as I put the kids down, I go straight into the garage maybe and start my workout, or I go straight into the shower, I do something that's going to take me out of that zone for a minute where I'm not tempted to go to the store and get this candy or if it's already in my house for whatever reason from the last time I had a treat. You know, stop me from going downstairs and like rummaging through like a freaking rat, you know? Like, like where's my candy? Oh my gosh. You know? it's It seems so trivial in a sense to people who haven't experienced like this type of like random it seems random craving but it's so important that i recognized that 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 was the thing that was causing me and so i was able now i'm able to be like all right i expect it to happen as soon as i put the kids to bed i expect it to happen and so i'm going to distract myself i'm going to go immediately do something else i'm not going to give myself a second to lay down in that bed because when i lay down in that bed and i'm like ah and the angels start singing i won't do that to you again okay i won't start singing like an angel but they start singing and then all of those like feel-good hormones come in and they're like yes you deserve this no 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 i'm not letting that happen i don't care if i did something amazing and saved somebody from drowning i don't deserve to then go and, and stuff things down my gullet that are not going to serve me when I'm shredding, for example, okay? So I don't care how amazing of a person I am. It's not a reason for me to bring myself towards this behavior that is not going to serve my goals, okay? So that's the first thing, identifying your triggers. When you identify them, you're not trying to get rid of them. You're just trying to be aware so that you can then maybe distract yourself, okay? what? That's one of the things that you can do. Another thing that you can do is... It, You don't necessarily have to have identified the trigger before you do this step, but this is, um, this is something you can add in there is learning to pause and extend the gap between stimulus and response. Kim has talked about this many times before, and I love it because it works for like literally everything. In fact, it's one of the best tips that you can use for any situation that you are in, especially an emotional one. If you can pause, before the stimulus or the trigger and the response. Okay? It's like you're, you're minding the gap. We call it in the psychology realm. we call it minding the gap, okay? It's when you are trying to make that gap as big as possible because it gives you time to think. It gives you time to address the situation. It gives you time to go within yourself and figure out what is going on here in this moment. And so if you can pause, like as soon as you get that stimulus or that trigger, or even before it's coming, if you've or if you've already identified what the trigger is and it's coming and you know it, take a pause, right? So like, if I put my kids to bed and I already know that it's coming. I put my kids to bed. I can just pause. I don't have to go and distract myself and go run and do something else. that, that is That's what I choose to do because that works for me. But I could also just pause and I can just stand there and not do anything. And think for a second about what I'm going to do. If you can mind the gap for as long as possible, for as long as whatever makes sense in that moment. I mean, if you're like, you know, at work and you don't have a lot of time and you're like in this situation, okay, obviously you're not going to be able to stand there for an hour. But pause before the stimulus and response. And I'm telling you, or not before the stimulus and response, in between the stimulus and response. And I'm telling you, your whole entire world will change because you you are stopping yourself from an automatic behavior that your subconscious is pulling you towards. So if you can get used to doing that, you're able to then control the behavior that follows after that stimulus or that trigger. And that is huge because that's that's something that people cannot do. First of all, they can't do it because they don't recognize it. And second of all, it's really freaking hard to do. (laughs) This is something you're going to have to practice all the time. Never, ever, ever get sick of practicing something, okay? That is how you get better at it. That's how you make it easier. That's how you make it a part of your natural behavior, your natural thought process. So much easier, so much easier. So practice that. Practice pausing in between that stimulus and the response and minding that gap, making that gap last as long as you can in the moment because you're giving yourself a chance to correct a behavior that maybe you would not have been able to do prior to this, okay? So, that's a really good one that I love. And then another one, this is something that's not gonna really help in the moment when you're feeling a trigger to do something that's gonna undermine your goals, but this is something that can help as a long term solution that has to be done regularly. So, you can use a repetitive visuals hack. And I love this one because this is something that you don't have to work very hard at doing. This one is very simple. You have an initial setup process and then that's it. So this is where you put up visuals all around where you spend the majority of your time. So this could be at work and at home. If you don't leave the home for work, this is gonna be exclusively in your home, in your car, wherever you are spending the most of your time. Even if you don't spend a lot of your time there, hell, just do it anyway, okay? If it's like, you know, I don't know, like if you're only at work for like an hour a day or something and you go into the office for an hour a day, put put something there, okay? This is, so repetitive visuals, you can, they can be words, they can be images. They are something that you place around your environment that lift you up, but you don't actually realize that that's what's going on. So what you're doing is you're helping your subconscious soak in this positive mood and these positive feelings these positive words and the more that you can be repetitive with that for your subconscious mind the more it's going to change your behavior you're going to start acting like the very thing or person that you that you want to be so for example you can put up like little sticky notes I actually tell my my group um I do the group coaching for the butt camp and for the sculpt and shred and I tell them in there all the time get your sticky notes out write something. Uh, It doesn't even have to be like, you know, over the top. It could just be like, you you know, you're doing a great job on your shred. If you're shredding, if those of you that are doing butt camp right now, you know, take a, go do it right now. Get a sticky note. (laughs) Go do it right now. Get a sticky note and write, you are doing a great job in butt camp. So it doesn't have to be over the top. It doesn't have to be like, oh, you are, you are just like the most amazing person that ever walked the earth. You can write that. Absolutely, but you don't have to. Just have it be whatever is going to lift you up. Now, it's going to seem weird when you first start doing this, okay? Remember, though, repetition is the key. You have to see these visuals over and over and over and over and over again throughout your day so that your subconscious can pick them up as your reality, okay? It's not going to help if you just do it once a day. Needs to be over and over and over and over again. In fact, if you have a smartphone, as most of us do, change your background right now to something that makes you feel good. It can be a quote. It can be, um, this is actually proven in psychological research that if we stare at, now this is this is for images and not like real life because you could do it in real life and it's better, but if we stare at greenery, so natural greenery from earth, um, woods, pictures of being in the woods and things like that, beautiful rolling hills Um, you know anything that has greenery is proven to lift our mood so go change your background to something that is you know green you know if you can't go outside in nature right now or whatever um, or have like your favorite quote or write yourself a note on the notes app on your phone screenshot it and use that as your background and you can change it every single week. So literally every time you pick up your phone, you're getting a repetitive visual hack for your subconscious. And here's the thing with with these things is that it doesn't take any work throughout the day for these things to work in your subconscious. It just takes that initial setup period. So the initial, you know, writing down the quote or taking the screenshot or downloading the image or whatever. And when I say images, the images of greenery and things like that, they're going to lift your mood, but you could also use things like your your body goal. If you have somebody like Kim, <laughs> we all love Kim's body, and you post her pictures up, like maybe of her on, on the, the bodybuilding stage or whatever, your favorite picture of her and make a copy of it a bunch of different copies and plaster them all over your work area or your bathroom or your pantry or whatever like it's gonna seem a little silly but it's not like this is this is what you're doing is you're helping your subconscious soak in things that are motivating to you things that are making you feel good whatever your subconscious is repeated repeatedly subjected to Becomes your reality your subconscious does not know the difference between real and fake guys. It has no flippin clue So whatever you are repetitively saying to yourself, whatever you're repetitively seeing out in the world in your environment whatever you're repetitively thinking Your subconscious thinks that that is real life. That is your reality. So stop putting yourself down. Stop beating yourself up for having, you know, moments where you go in the pantry and you eat the the chips that you, you know, you weren't supposed to eat that night or whatever. Like, stop putting yourself down. The more that you tear yourself down, the more you're convincing your subconscious that you are that terrible person. And that's not right. That's not okay. For you, that's not okay. So use the visuals hack. Remember repetition is key it is going to be the thing that changes your subconscious mind and makes you feel like the things that you are being subjected to over and over again are your reality it seems so simple and it really really is <laughs> just take the time to do the initial setup period get all of these things down pat And then you can have, like, you know, these constant reminders. And sometimes you're not even going to realize. Here's the thing. I want to also mention this. When it comes to our subconscious, we do not have to be aware of the thing that we're reading or seeing or thinking. Just the fact that it is there and you walk past it is helping your brain. It's helping your subconscious soak that in. You don't even have to realize it's happening. In fact, we never realize that it's happening, okay, in the moment. It's only when you're aware of something like this and you're like, okay, I know what's going on here. And then you become very aware of of your behaviors and how they match the things that you've been subjected to so that is my my those three are really like my top tips for self-sabotage they you know don't you don't have to use all three every single day pick your favorite one pick the one that resonates most with you right now in this moment and do it now just go do it now okay so i'm gonna get to the next question let's see so somebody is asking what is your favorite quad exercise and in parentheses she writes small home gym so some machines but not all the fancy guys so if you don't have um the fancy equipment for the gym and you're trying to build your quads um first of all it's good <laughs> you know load is king as we preach all the time in the sculpted vegan so the first thing is if you cannot add load through your dumbbells or barbells to a point where you're challenging yourself your second option is to work on the, the time under tension, which of course, you should also do that when you're going heavy, but that's a whole different thing. You know, if you're not able to go heavy, you don't have the equipment like that for that, then you can do something like, you can slow down your reps um, to where you're, you know, it's, it's on the eccentric, you're going three seconds on the concentric, uh, concentric, you're going three seconds or something like that. There's no like right or wrong, just slowing down the reps and making sure that you're under tension for a longer period of time, even though the weight is not heavy. Um, something else you can do is just simply increase the volume through an additional set or additional reps or both. So if the program says something like four sets of 10 and you're like, oh God, I can do 10 very easily with what I have. Then what you can do is just add an additional, um, set, you know, a fifth set of 10, or you can add, you know, what you could do is you can make your final set something like a burnout where you go all the way to 50 or something like that. You know, the point, the point with this is that, when you don't have load as your option and you're not able to add weight, you have to do something else to trigger that failure response. And so this brings me to your next question, which is perfect because her next question was, do you push to failure on each um, on each body part each time? So in other words, not the first few sets, but the last set for every body part, or do you keep one to two reps in the tank at certain times? So I love this question because this is actually something that's not very commonly known. The way that we teach it in the Sculpted Vegan is your first two sets are your warm-up sets. So you, so the first, the first set that you do on every single exercise, guys, this is not just like, oh, the first exercise that you do for legs for the day or the first exercise you do for back. This is every single exercise. Your first set should be your warm-up set where you have like 10 or so reps in the tank. You could easily bang out 10 more, but don't. Do not. Don't do it. (laughs) This is your warm-up. Your second is also a warm-up, but you should have maybe around like five to eight reps in the tank. So this means that you could go for another five to eight reps easily, okay? Your third set is your very first actual working set where you're, you're working on challenging yourself. And in this set, you should have like a good, I don't know, I would say like three or so sets, um, not sets, three reps left in the tank. Um, and here's the thing, your final set, your fourth set or your fifth, if you're adding on additional sets, because you can't get heavy enough, that is when you go all out. You should not be able to crank out any more reps at all whatsoever even if a gun was being held to your head like there's no physical possible way that you could crank out even an extra half a rep and by the way if you can do a half a rep when you're in your failure set do that half rep keep going if you have a spotter they can help you do forced reps where they help just a tiny tiny bit so this is this is really great because people don't realize it's in that failure set where you are changing your body it's not in those warm up sets guys so don't go into your warm up sets thinking Oh, I'm feeling so good. I have all this extra energy. I'm just going to bang out, you know, 10 more. No, you're supposed to have energy in your warm up sets. All you're doing is you're getting your muscles used to what's about to happen. So you're lubricating your joints and you're getting the blood flow going to the right areas that you're going to be working. That's all you're doing with your warm ups, okay? The warm ups are not for you to make any kind of micro trauma tears in your muscle tissue, okay? So, I love that you asked this because I think this is something that we need to really hammer in more is that you are not going to this annihilation zone in your first three sets. It's only in that very last one that you should be balls to the wall, like screaming bloody murder. Or if you're like our lovely head trainer, Laura Hutchinson, she does not make a single sound when she's in her final set. I don't know how she does it. She she posted a video of her on the pendulum squat and we're like, um, are you alive? Like, what are you doing? Like, there's no sound coming from you. And then you, like, contrast that with with Kim's, like, like, she's given birth, like, like, this guttural, like, which is how I am when I'm in my failure set. So don't worry, like, don't force the sounds if that is not you, of course. That's not a sign of, of hard work by any means if you're not the type of person to elicit those gorgeous sounds. Um, but you really should be feeling like there's absolutely no bloody way in hell to, that you can push out another rep, okay? Only in that final set of every exercise that is on your list for that day, okay? Now, Um, She somebody is asking about food timing like around the workout. So how much of an importance does this play this if you're Listen, if you're a professional athlete or something and you're competing in some kind of competition like CrossFit games or like I don't know or you're Michael Phelps and you're at the Olympics. This is a huge deal, right? Your performance is like the most important thing when you're competing with something. If that's not you It's not I don't want to say it's not important But it's not something that you need to stress over, like, when you are shredding, especially. Um, The main thing that we do have people focus on, though, is, like, making sure if you can, you want to try to shuttle all of your carbs or the majority of your carbs around your weightlifting session. So when you're done with your strength session... That's when we want you to inhale all the carbs or even beforehand. Like what I do is I eat most of my food like before my workout. It gives me great energy, great strength, um, great endurance and everything. And then I have my normal amount of food, usually just a shake after my weightlifting session. And so it's not something that I want you, especially because you're in butt camp right now it's not something that I want you stressing over um, for that purpose, because it's not really all about performance when you're shredding. When you're shredding, the main goal is to literally lose as much body fat as possible. So don't really worry as much about the timing of your food. Just get the food in, especially. Get the food in. um, You know, if you're somebody that wants to play around with the timing of your food, you know, you know, you would have to do something like Um, like for somebody who gets nauseous when they work out, okay, those people, yeah, you're going to have to play around with your food because having food in your stomach before you are, you know, pushing really hard in the gym can cause some people to get very nauseous and even actually vomit. So, um, but other than that, like, don't stress too much about, you know, the timing of your food and things like that. That's not what we're here for. This is not the Olympic Games and we don't have to keep you going for like three hours straight, okay? So, hopefully that, hopefully that makes sense to you guys. Um... Let's see. Best tip for staying motivated when not seeing physical changes. Ooh, I love this one, especially in a shred, you guys. Okay. It takes so much more work than you guys could ever possibly dream of, okay, to see your body change. It took Kim five years to build the body that you see she has today five years and she was not overweight before she started if you're overweight before you start and you've got a lot of excess body fat it's going to take you even longer it may take you 10 years my best tip for staying motivated is understanding the reality the reality is you are not always going to see progress it is not a linear experience ever for anybody it's going to go up. It's going to go down. You're going to have periods where you plateau. You're going to have periods where you're just super exhausted and you can't push anymore. You need to take a break. You're going to have periods where you don't see anything changing in in the mirror for maybe two months straight, you know? So understand first the reality and you need to align your expectations with what is reality. The people who don't have the right expectations that are realistic are the ones who struggle the most with this. And I'm not talking just to her, this person who, who asked this question, because it applies to so many of us. We've all been here. I, I mean, I can't even tell you when I did my first four-week shred, the original four-week shred from Kim, and I was done with that and I was not overweight. I, have, I had a little bit of a belly from my babies, of course. Um, I I ended that four-week shred and I actually cried. I was like, oh my God. Like First of all, I was so proud of myself for doing it. It was like the hardest thing I'd ever done. My stomach was finally flat for the first time since having kids you know and at that time i was still nursing my third baby and he was two years old and so i was breastfeeding and i was like so stressed out and i had never been able to experience the flat stomach yet and i wasn't rushing it by any means but i was so happy and proud of myself but let me tell you something i was not aligned with reality i was so mad that i did not look like kim was so mad you guys like I laugh at it now but like back then I was so disappointed in myself I was like what did I do wrong I don't look like Kim I don't have any of the muscles there I don't have anything like I shred down I wasn't even overweight like I did this intense shred I don't look anything like her when what happened was for those of you who have never seen my pictures I just ended up looking really skinny because when I did that shred I didn't have the muscle at all to unveil So what I unveiled was literally my bones. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't like dying by any means or starving to death. It was just that I had no muscle there. There was no shape to my body. I just looked like a walking zucchini, you know? Like there was nothing there. I was so upset. And the thing is, is like, i could have used that and been like oh i didn't see any results like this really sucks i'm never doing this again no i had to align myself with reality and i thank kim for that all the time kim is like my saving grace like angel of god she and not just because i'm on her podcast (laughs) but she has really like had this come to jesus meeting with me several times where she's like listen vanessa you are not going to look like me after 4 weeks. You're not even going to look like me after 4 years maybe. You need to you need to be realistic. It takes so much time to build muscle. It takes consistency, it takes patience, it takes discipline. One thing that it does not take, and I'm talking to all of you right now, listen closely, it does not take motivation to get the body that you want. And I'm sorry to tell you, and if you disagree with me, that's absolutely okay. But I'm telling you right now, motivation is not what it takes. It's discipline. It's consistency. It's patience. You know, most of the time when I wake up, I have zero motivation to do anything that I need to get done that day, especially my workouts. Are you kidding me? Do you think I'm really excited about waking up and dying in the gym every single day? No. I look forward to how amazing I'm going to feel after because I love the pain afterwards. I love being sore. I'm like, like super crazy like that. But I look forward to the feeling of accomplishment, which boosts my confidence, which is what we need. We need to do things that are going to boost our confidence. And one of the ways that we do that is accomplishing small steps, small goals, small tasks every single day whether you are motivated to do it or not. You don't need motivation. You need discipline. It's totally normal to not feel a lick of motivation after, especially like for those of you who are shredding right now, especially after that first week, you know, you're running so high on adrenaline and excitement. When you start a new workout program, you cannot continue at that state for the entire eight weeks or 12 weeks or however long you're in it. You can't, it's impossible You can't live on that kind of adrenaline constantly. And adrenaline can be motivating in some ways. The excitement can be motivating. But listen, reality is gonna come smacking you down with a two by four, like right across your face. It is not sustainable. You cannot go into anything that you do in this life and expect to be motivated to get it done every single time that it's time for you to get it done. No. So my challenge, for those of you listening to this that are like, I am really, I cannot find the motivation. This is so hard for me. I can't stay motivated. My challenge is for you to start talking to yourself and reminding yourself that it's okay to not be motivated. You don't need motivation to change your body. You don't need motivation to get a new career. You don't need motivation to put your head down in the books and start studying for your certifications. You don't need motivation to be a better mom. You don't need motivation to, you know, become a sergeant in the army. You don't need motivation for that. You need discipline. You need to tell yourself that even though these things that I want for myself are difficult and hard, I need to do them anyway. I need to do them anyway. Okay? It's great if you have motivation, and you're gonna have some days where you're more motivated than others, but I'm telling you right now, it's gonna be like 10% of your life that you're gonna be motivated to do most of the things that you need to do. That's reality. So I want to challenge you to, first of all, accept yourself, accept the fact that you're not motivated, be okay with it, because it is okay, and realize that perhaps what needs to change is your discipline. I'm sorry to tell ya. (laughs) There's nothing wrong, by the way, with needing to be more disciplined, okay? Nobody was born, nobody shot, you know, shot out of their mother's womb being like, yeah, like full of discipline, okay? Nobody, you have to learn it, it is a skill. You have, to, you have to do this yourself, nobody can do this for you. It's one of the reasons why I joined the army. I knew, let me tell you something, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take like a little side road here. I remember telling my dad, oh my God, it's so funny, that I want to join the army because I cannot pay my car bill on time. I don't wanna work. I don't wanna work and then give my money away for bills. I was so anti-paying bills. You guys, I don't talk about this a whole lot, and I'm now telling like probably millions of people right now, but in those young adult days, I did not want to pay my bills. And I had a car at the time, and I was like, I don't want to work. I would always work as like a waitress in restaurants and I hated it so much. I was like, oh my God, this is just, I don't, I did not like working, you guys. I did not have any work ethic whatsoever. And part of the problem was I was working and I would have to give that money away to somebody else. I hated it. But you know what? I don't know why, but for some reason I recognized that in myself that I needed to work on that, that that was not okay. It was not, it was not okay to be that kind of person. I wanted to improve my work ethic and I sent myself off to the army. Do you think that I was motivated at all to go torture myself in the army for four years to dig my own ditches and sleep in them, to get deployed overseas and fight in a war that like I didn't even agree with? You know, stuff like that. Like I'm not going to get political on the podcast, of course, but I just want you to understand that I did not wake up motivated to do that. I saw something that had to improve in myself and I did it anyways even though it was really hard and scary and, and quite frankly, was like very, probably the worst four years of my life (laughs) for many, many reasons that we won't talk about today. But I don't regret that at all. It's like what I regret, honestly, is all the self-sabotage that occurred in those four years. And you know what? I don't even regret that because honestly that self-sabotage now in this moment during this podcast has taught me so much about myself that I didn't even realize until almost 20 years later about how I, I was so afraid of success and I was so afraid of, of responsibility. I was so, it, it's so weird to me. It's like I was so afraid of responsibility that I literally said no to opportunities. And you guys, there are people right now listening to this that are doing that. You're not accepting you know, responsibilities because you're scared of them, you're scared of the work, you're scared of maybe you might fail at those responsibilities. Well, guess what? Who cares if you fail? What is the worst that can happen if you fail at something? You need to fail in order to learn. If you don't learn, if you don't fail, then you can't learn anything. You're not, think of like your, your, your best days where like everything goes smoothly and you're like, oh, yeah, this is great. I love this day. Do, do you really learn anything on those days? Probably not. Okay? Probably not. It's the days that are hard that force you to walk over fire and bare feet that teach you something about yourself. Okay? And if you have to fall flat on your face when you're walking in that fire, then you fall flat on your freaking face and you pick yourself back up. Everybody fails. Everybody fails all the time. Okay? There's nothing wrong with failing because you learn something in that process. So for those of you that that need tips for staying motivated, I'm going to tell you, you don't need tips for staying motivated. You need tips for staying disciplined and, and increasing your discipline. Okay? So that's what you need. It's not motivation. I'm sorry that I had to tell you that. I'm really not sorry that I had to tell you that, but a lot of enough people are not talking about that. <laughs> so let's get to the next question before we run out of time here. So let's get to this next question. Ooh, I love this question. Okay. Do you know how there are some myths that just seem to never die, especially in the health and fitness realm? Some of these, they I feel like they're going to be here for the rest of our lives, and this is one of those. <laughs> so she asks, Can you debunk the myth of not eating before bed, aka the evening snack? And can you tell us why we are? So she's talking about in butt camp, um, we have people eating something before bed, right? We don't have, we don't subscribe to the notion that you should never eat before bed or you should not have late night uh, snacks or food or whatever. Now, In saying that, okay, (laughs) this does not mean that it's okay to go and binge and have a late night pizza party because Coach Vanessa said that I can eat before bed. Okay, so let's backtrack a little bit. (laughs) Here's, Here's where I think this whole myth has stemmed from and why it won't go away. Because there's some merit to this, but it's on a superficial level, okay, in my opinion. Usually when we are eating late at night, a couple things are happening. First, we have already had our evening meal. Okay. So we have already consumed the meals that we were intending to consume. Okay. And usually because of that, we're not eating something that is (laughs) quote unquote, beneficial. Okay. So we are usually snacking. And usually when we snack, we do it mindlessly. So this goes back to those Netflix lovers. Listen, I love Netflix myself. So I am not picking on anybody because I love Netflix. I love a good binge session, but I make sure I do it when I, uh, let me tell you, you'll never find me eating during, uh, during Netflix. I'm just going to put it out there because here's, here's why. It's so easy to mindlessly consume food when we're watching TV, okay? We don't even know that we're doing it or we know that we're eating, but we don't realize how much we're actually eating and we just keep going. It's like we're in a trance and it's so much fun. This is one of the reasons why I think this eating late at night before bed has been an issue for people and it's real. It's a real issue. So the mindless snacking is one issue at hand. Then we have, because it's late at night, we are usually already at our calorie quota. So at this point, we've had all the meals for the day that we're supposed to have, and now anything extra that we are eating is now putting us into a calorie surplus. So that could be an issue if you're trying to lose weight. This is not an issue if you are trying to build muscle because you need a bit of a surplus, most people do, in order to build good muscle. Right? But so for those people who are shredding right now, all of you butt campers who are shredding and you have met your calorie quota and you're trying to burn a lot of fat, of course, if you eat late at night after you've already eaten everything from your meal plan, it doesn't matter what you choose, you're going to be in a surplus. You're going to be over your, your quota. So that can be an issue too with the late night snacking. However, I do want to reel this in a little bit and, and, and remind you. It doesn't matter what time of the day you eat if it puts you in a surplus you're going to gain you're going to gain something whether that's muscle or fat or a bit of both okay if you're doing the right things in the gym and you're eating at a surplus you're gonna gain some beautiful muscle but it doesn't matter what time of the day that happens okay so you could end up being in a surplus by 12 o'clock noon and you're gonna have a really rough day (laughs) if that's the case trying to make it to the end of the day okay but It doesn't matter the time now another thing is like we tend to have people eating like rearranging their meals especially in a shred to where they are putting their carbs like a big not not a huge portion maybe maybe a huge portion i don't know some people do it that way but like having a bagel or something like that before bed is this actually helps calm our stress hormones so it it kind of like acts as like a buffer against cortisol in a way when we eat carbs Now, not binging on carbs, okay, I have to say this (laughs) multiple times because I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea. You're eating just enough to help you relax and usually that helps people drift off to sleep and so when you're shredding, a lot of people get this shred insomnia and eating something like a bagel before bed actually helps them fall asleep. So that's another reason why we have people rearranging their meals. If those of you who are having trouble falling asleep, push your carbs off to bedtime, okay? So I think that's where this, this myth comes from. It's like there are all these other factors that are going into the habits of the people who eat late at night. It's not the eating late at night. It's the habits and the environment in which it's happening. So keep that in mind when you are dealing with, you know, this fear of eating before bed. Also, don't call the food police on me, okay? I eat. Like 50% of my calories before bed. Oh my God. I eat so much food before bed. Kim often, and she does not hide this. Okay, you can go in her Instagram stories and she will, you'll see her stories. She often eats a bagel at like 3 a.m. Well, maybe not often, but but it happens at a regular occurrence, maybe once a week or something like that because she can't sleep. And so she gets up and she has a, a bagel and it and it knocks her out and she goes to sleep. Listen, if this was a problem, the people who eat before bed would be fat okay, we would have some serious problems. A lot of the sculpted vegan coaches, and we are not the only ones, by the way, of course, we're not like, you know, special in any way, but a lot of us, including Kim, we eat before bed. We don't care what time it is. So the thing is, is you wanna make sure that you're not going over your calorie quota, okay? If you're following one of our meal plans, and you're done with the meal plan, guess what, honey? You ain't, you're you're not going to be eating before bed, okay? Because if you eat before bed, now that brings you over and now you're in a surplus and now you're going to have an issue. Now, if that happens to you though, one time is not going to kill you, okay? But I I need you to to look at if this is a pattern for you and you're often eating something like snacky before bed after your meal plan because that is going to cause problems down the road, okay? So, let me hit one more question really quickly because we're already out of time and I'm so sad because I'm having so much fun. I hope you guys have been enjoying this. I want to hit one more question really quickly, okay? Because this is a, this is something that a lot of people are struggling with. Somebody is asking if, if I can touch on the fact that you don't have to cook these gourmet meals and these extravagant meal plans and, and do like nine hours of prepping on a Sunday, like meal prepping on a Sunday to shred, okay? Listen, in order to shred, You just have to eat a certain number of calories, okay? And you have to work out in a certain way. And you have to burn a certain number of calories, okay? Those calories do not have to come from a chef, okay? I am here to tell you, Vanessa Burgess does not follow meal plans. I never follow meal plans, okay? I think I would actually take a long walk off a short pier if I felt like I had to follow a meal plan in order to shred, I can't do it. I I cannot do it. I don't like cooking. I'm not very good at cooking. I have no reason to even put myself out there like that. I cook enough for my kids. I cannot stand it anymore for myself. And not only that, it's my choice. I recognize that something stresses me out and I don't need to do it that way to, to reach my goals. I can do it with very basic food. Every time I shred, and I am not the only one, okay? This is not an N equals one situation. There are many of us who do not follow meal plans, we just eat the basic, like a basic carb on the side, and a protein, and a fat, and a this. So what I do, and everybody laughs at me for this, I have no shame, okay? I eat green beans cold from a can when I shred. I eat tofu cold from the package when I shred, okay? in fact i do these things when i'm not shredding okay i've never followed a meal plan and i get amazing results of course i am still working on my body i still have body goals that i want to reach i want to eventually look like our queen kim okay i'm not there yet but i shred and i get great results now that i've put on some good muscle so that now it's not like that original four-week shred result okay (laughs) which is like oh i can't even i can't even go back there today (laughs) but I see great results, okay, and many other people don't follow, it. you know, gourmet things when they are shredding. And listen, so listen, here's the thing. We include meal plans in the shred process, okay, in her programs, because people love her meal plans, and they want her meal plans, and they want to learn how to cook, and they want different flavors, and they appreciate the different flavors, and, and I love that Kim listens to what, what people want, and she gives you what you want. But please understand that if it's stressing you out to follow gourmet recipes and things that are too hard for you because maybe you're not good in the kitchen and you're like me and you don't like to cook and you don't really know a lot about it. If that's stressing you out, please take a step back and maybe consider tracking your own macros if, you're, if you know what you're doing or maybe take the time to then, now at this point, learn how to do it, right? But you don't need to be like a chef in order to shred, okay? You don't need to have a, sh- a chef in order to shred. That is like a mouthful right there. <laughs> but you can literally crack open a can. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard because I'm having this for dinner tonight. You can crack open a can of Italian green beans and you can just dump them down your throat. I-, I don't even care if you heat them up. I know to some people that sounds disgusting, but I want you to understand the whole point of this, this answer is that you don't have to put yourself in stress overload if there's something that is not working for you and there is an alternative to it. There's an alternative to following a meal plan. You can track your own macros and we help you guys with that. But understand that, you know, just because something is in a plan and she provides that as an option, nobody's forcing you to do that, okay? You can shred without gourmet meals. (laughs) I know it's a lot more fun for some people and that's fine. Everybody has their own thing so I hope listen I am out of time but I really hope that you enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed it I had a lot of fun and I was not quite as scared as I thought I would be (laughs) so maybe we could do more of these if I did not answer your question on this episode maybe we can do another one down the road but thank you guys so much for listening and I will talk to you soon bye